from Rochester, New York, almost live, home of the Strong Museum of Play, Bill Gray's famous cheeseburger, and the Squirtle. It's the FC3 Monkey Business Podcast, starring the superlative Billy DeTori, the splendiferous Tanya Metris, and your host, the very tall Christopher Frank. That's me. I'm incredibly tall. I'm, I'm an above average for my for my weight size right class that's and you're still not the tallest person i've ever met no neither am i you know not not for me either i because i've i remember like i think i've told this story online before actually uh there's tim who regularly cosplays the uh the demon or the fire giant or the frost giant at fc3 just a capital fella too but there's also this time when i was doing an inspection at a house and uh, i'm walking up the driveway and the landlord's at the top of the, the hill uh, waiting for me and you you'd normally expect that as you climb closer to the person they would like start becoming you know shorter but no the the more i went up the hill the the, the he was still that tall as soon as i got to the top of the hill he was still a, like a good head taller than me and i'm like wow and that's hard to believe <laughs> this does not happen to me often no <laughs> it's like wait what <laughs> How did that happen? It was cool. That's cool, though. I like. So that. you guys are probably wondering why I randomly mentioned a Squirtle. Yes, I am kind of curious. Well, as it turns out, uh, one of the side effects of this whole uh, COVID-19 lockdown and whatnot, pe- people have come up with this cute idea called a teddy bear hunt. Okay. Hang teddy bears and other mm-hmm. plush toys outside windows for kids to look, look for while they're walking through the neighborhood. Okay. And I happen to have a little Squirtle plush toy you know the little blue mm-hmm. turtle pokemon uh-huh. that i got from dave and busters and it all it still had its little uh fabric uh hanging thingy still on its head so i was like this is the perfect thing to hang uh, on a little suction cup hook out the window okay and so okay. It, it resided out there for a few weeks so yeah I, I had it handy. I fi- I figured I'd take a cue from the one intro Billy did when he was looking out his window, and why not? That's um, cool. Quick question: Did it fade at all with hanging in the window with the sun? Not a lot. Uh, not I, a lot. I, it was only out there for about three weeks. Okay, because uh, just I know, like um, when I have like um, co- um, construction paper hanging on my classroom wall and things like that, and I have stuff that is over top of it because the construction paper is the background. When I take the stuff down at the end of the year, you can see that the rest of it's faded. And then that particular spot where I had it covered is still like the dark blue or whatever. So I didn't know Mm. what, if, if that faded during that time where you said no, because we didn't really have a lot of sun. Mm -hmm. So it didn't fade at all. This was also a really light color of blue. Oh, okay. Just a question. See if it faded. So, uh, how are we? Good? Love we're hanging in there. Yeah, we're, we're doing good. Another week, yeah. another week closer to eventually being able to like leave the house and walk around and see people. Mm-hmm. Well, I believe by this time, phase one should be starting. Yes, I think by the time this particular podcast airs, that uh, all hope. the important stuff will start coming back online. Yes. So that could be fun. I know, see, I Dan and I were talking about this the other day, where I've I feel like I've become a little bit on the paranoid side. And so I know that even if things are 
waking up and people are going back out and looking around and checking things out, I'm probably going to stay home and say, you know, you know what? In chess, the pawns go first. All y'all go ahead and let me know how things work. You know, it's, it's basically how I'm looking at it right now. I, f- I feel the same way, Chris. It's, it's, it's terrible to think that way, but yeah. that's how my brain is working right now. It's like, you know what? All y'all go check it out for me. Tell, let me know how the water is. I'll be over here. Yeah, I probably won't do, uh, like, I'll probably be able to, like, still do, like, my Walmart runs or my Wegmans runs or get at least to my classroom to get stuff. Um, But I don't think we'll be doing anything really else different right now until Mm -hmm. things really, really open up after a couple weeks type thing. I, I don't see the need to have to do anything different than I'm currently doing right now. Me neither. Mm-hmm. But, but by the time this podcast airs, I will probably be a couple weeks into my uh, furlough feature film. Uh, mm. I'm going to be going through and watching movies and TV series that I have been meaning to watch. And Irish Film Festival. There you go. I'm, and I'm and as we're recording this, I'm going to start tomorrow with Jaws. Cool. I've never seen Jaws. No, really. Really? Oh, that's a classic. You're going to like that one. There comes a point where you start rooting for the shark. (laughs) Sorry. It's true. I did. Probably more so in the sequels, I imagine. See, uh, the only sequel I ever watched was half of the second. Half of Jaws 2. And then I was like, okay, more of the same. Moving on. Um, And uh, I think that was about it, really. But when it came to like Jaws 3D and stuff like that, I'm like, come on. I just I gave up on it at that point. I'm like, this is ridiculous. But yeah, I, I want to watch it uh, not just to catch up on on it because it's you know iconic, the first blueprint for the summer blockbuster. Mm-hmm. But a board game I collect, uh, which incorporates Funko Pops, will be coming out with a Jaws expansion, and oh, you cool. can play as the shark. Nice. So you'll be able to have, for instance, the shark versus a Velociraptor from Jurassic Park. Oh wow. Or have okay. them team up against Rick and Morty. <laughs> or or combine some combination of those against the Golden Girls. Oh, God. And the Kool-Aid Man. I'm not making any of this up. These, this are, all confer- these are all playable pieces in the game. That's ridiculous. What game is this again? Funkoverse. Oh, my God. Yeah, I'll, I'll I'll take a picture of my collection for you guys, just so you can confirm I'm not making stuff up off the no, top of I, my head. I, yeah, I know you're not making up. I have actually seen bits and pieces of uh, information on Funkoverse out there. Um, Too funny. I lost my train of thought. Choo-choo. Choo-choo, chaboogie. Choo-choo. Are we still talking oh, about no. comic strips? Wait, no, no, never mind. No, um, in regards to like binge and blockbuster movies and that type of stuff, there um over this last what was last week there's there's um Constellation Con that were a part of a group. Oh, the Facebook of, group. The Facebook group of Constellation Con, and they had posted 99 movies that you should have seen by whatever. And I know, Chris, you had posted that you had seen 14 of them, and you're like, oh, the I got to get Movies is basically what they were. It's like all of the movies kind of twist your brain around. So then all of a sudden, I like I started looking through the list. I'm like, I have five. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, I, I thought- six movies, I had 14 of them. I was like, wow, where have I been? <laughs> 
I follow that Facebook group. I don't remember seeing that post. What What are some of the movies? Do you remember? Or? Like Inception and Twelve it. Monkeys and um, Sixth Sense. Sixth Sense, things like that. The, the the ones that really make you twist your brain around and go, "What just? What did I just watch?" Would two thousand one A Space Odyssey be on that list? I don't oh, remember, but I think it might have it. been. Well, I think it might have been. It's possible. Because Inception is one I've been meaning to watch, but I get intimidated by what I've heard of it. Like, do I really want to think that hard during a movie and then I don't watch it when I'm sure it's a fantastic movie? My kids are going to come down and tell me that there's dinner ready. Well, there are worse things in the world to happen. So I'll probably, while, while you guys are talking or doing whatever, when we get ready, eventually when we take our break, I'm just going to run upstairs and uh, grab food and things like that. Okay. Uh, I'm waiting until um, we're done recording before I order a sub from Salvatore's. There you go. Salvatore's.com. Now we need to call them for a sponsor. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> they probably <laughs> do it. Spaghetti ready. Um, I'm still looking for that post. I don't worry about it. I didn't mean to throw Ooh, that's you. a good post. Okay, sorry. I didn't mean to throw you, Tanya. I'm sorry. No, that's okay. Uh, there were there were a ton of movies. I remember it was like a black background, and they had the list of movies. The thing is, trying to find this, maybe I should just... Uh, search. No, no. Should I look at photos? Photos. Maybe if I did it that way, I'll find it faster. I don't know. That's weird. Yeah, we'll talk about something else in the meantime. Yeah. Okay, go ahead. Hi, how are you? Hi. My name is Christopher. Hello. Hi, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> My name is Chris, and I am a D and D holic. That that's that's kind of the one thing I miss the most with this whole lockdown thing: uh -huh. getting to meet, be, meet with my friends and play Dungeons and Dragons. Justin, John, Matt, Mike, Alicia, and of course our DM Seth. I miss you guys terribly. I know we're getting to play Jackbox. On, on uh, via video cam recently, but it's you know face to face is better. Oh, that's true. That's true. And Chris, sir, I would love to invite you to a Jackbox session with us at some point. Oh, okay. I can give that a run. When, when do you guys usually play? Usually Tuesday nights. Okay. Okay, I stand corrected. It was from the sci-fi fandom. It wasn't from Constellation. Oh, that's we had the wrong one. We had the wrong fandom. There was 99 mind blank F movies. Mind job movies. Yeah. What I'll do is I'll share this to, I'll send it to you and uh, Billy. Thank you. Okay. There you go. James, did you not see what I was, uh, what I've been working on? I did, but I uh, decided it would be more appropriate for other people to jump in on this. I do have a couple of first-time players getting ready to jump in. I think it's kind of cool. Exactly. And, uh, and, and President Dan is going to be joining that particular table, and it's the first time he'll have played D&D &D in almost 35 years. Oh, wow. 
So I talked him into it. I said, nope, you're going to be, you're, I, I told him, I said, you don't have an opportunity to apply or, or consider if you want to be a part of this or not. You're in. And he goes, okay. Billy, how about you? Did you want to be in? I just, I was going to do like one session, three or four hours, one night, and just basically play. I know we rolled you up a character a long time ago during a podcast, but would you be interested in joining? I, I, when, when are, when is this going to happen? Oh, probably in the next week or two. We haven't decided on a specific day, but it might be like a, you know, Friday night or a a Sunday afternoon, something like that. Something where everybody's got time to kill. Maybe keep me in. Keep me in, in mind because uh, okay. I'd have to borrow Susan's computer again since the Kindle is my only mm-hmm. means of internet. I will add you to that particular um, Facebook I might group. Be interested in learning? Yeah, that'd be fun. I think that'd be a great time. And annoying other people. <laughs> oh, DMD is great for annoying other people, right, Tanya? Sure. We don't know what you're talking about. Tanya, especially, she's very innocent and sweet. She never bothers anybody. Nope, not at all. <laughs> Ask Sean. It's <laughs> <laughs> uh, right. But yeah, if, if you decide to do something a little more along the lines of an ongoing campaign, uh, that I mm-hmm. probably want to sign up for. Okay. Well, I'm going to play it by ear because right now, when things are at full steam, um, I usually have uh, something like, uh, let's see, I play on Saturdays and I play, I DM every other Sunday and then the usual Sundays after that, I'm playing uh, it at Tanya's table. So that's, I have a couple of games and I don't want to go into a campaign fatigue because that's just no bueno. It doesn't Understood. Work. All right. But so if this kicks into an actual campaign, I might have to consider dropping one of the other ones for a little while or wrapping one up. But, you know, you never know. Anything is possible. And uh, weird, weirder things have been known to occur. So, but oh, I'm looking forward to just teaching some people. For the Jack, my invitation for the Jackbox games also goes to uh, Tanya and Billy, of course. Of course. I've never heard of it. So, they're, Jackbox they're is, is like an online way of, of playing just like board games and, and oh. party games. Huh. It's a lot of fun stuff. We did it once, like a year or so ago, when we were tinkering. Yeah, when we were tinkering with launching that Twitch channel. Okay. Um, and everything was kind of like all online, and, and we played Jackbox games a lot. It was a lot of fun. I was very. It was, it was something very cool. about like the the monster, the horror house, or something. Monster like. dating monster. That it, I don't think it was that one. Oh, it was trivia murder party then. Yes. <laughs> I do remember that one. The yeah. sequel to that is out now. So we were just some... trying, to, trying to answer the trivia questions so we wouldn't get killed at the end. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and if we got something wrong, there were um, some bean boozled things going on. They were nasty. Mm-hmm. So asking someone to join you in the Jackbox isn't as dirty as it sounds. No, it really no, isn't. Not it's, always. It's... <laughs> Depends on the crowd. Yeah, people it's... I play with regularly draws <clears throat> very R-rated things, but that's fun. It is, it is. I wouldn't show it to my nieces, but it no. is fun. No, I wouldn't either. And I think that's probably one of the other things that we um, could possibly, probably try to get back going is our Twitch channel. Once we figure out all the nuances of usernames and passwords and remember yeah. all that type of stuff. Yeah. Um, because um, 
we think we would have a chance to have more people join in and do the gaming aspect. Um, I know if you want to do the D and D one shots, um, and say stream it for mm-hmm. that time, um, for the host party, um, I have that stream yard. So, okay. um, we can do that. I mean, I could at least be the quote unquote host for it to have it going and be gotcha. doing something else, but um being the person to like monitor everything in the background and be your like um, right hand person my my tech support yeah tech support during that time so that's one less thing that you have to worry about during that one shot but just getting back to maybe um streaming like world of warcraft with you me and sean and then maybe james playing and like running either a dungeon or a raid or whatever or Mm-hmm. Or leveling new characters or just Team something alpaca like that. Lips. I we gotta get you an alpaca. <laughs> I re- I refuse. I don't want to be the guy who's actually not who I want to be the guy who's not riding an alpaca. I'm just saying. <laughs> They're so cute. Oh, so. <laughs> <laughs> I am f- oh, afraid. That makes yeah. me afraid. You should be. You should be very, very I have great fear. So, well, talking about D&D kind of leads us into what we're going to be talking about today. That's That's what I was was going to ask about that because, you know, I'm not one, as we've established, for Mm -hmm. the world of gaming, and I'm also not a Lord of the Rings person. Okay. So is there a connection? Yes. And, and, Um, And that form of thinking in that I, I tend to prefer sci-fi over fantasy, even though it's a very thin line to most people. Depending on who you talk to, um, it's, it's basically you're going to hear a common uh, discourse that D&D would not have existed without Lord of the Rings. Because Gary Gygax, Dave Arneson, you know, all the guys who were originally behind the creation thereof of this game they drew a much of their inspiration from Lord of the Rings. You know, you got your, your, your humans, your elves, your dwarves, you know, your magic, your magic items, you know, the, the, there's a certain level of, you can identify A and B. You can see the two points working together that one came from the other. So, you know, it's, it's just a, a starter observation at the very least. You know, if one did not exist, the other one may not have ever existed either. Hmm. James, agree, disagree? Uh, I very, very much agree. And, you know, you can apply Lord of the Rings to a, a few other things. Its influence was very far and wide reaching. You hear Lord of the Rings hmm. in Led Zeppelin songs. Oh, God, yeah. You hear Lord of the Rings references in comic books. There's an X-Men villain who just decided, I'm going to take on the name of the of the villain from these books, Sauron. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, Fair you know, point. It's, it's, every, it's everywhere. Yeah, it is. Even if we don't realize it. And I think it's the way that it fits. I mean, now, here's here's the thing that I'm noticing is that now we've reached, because of today's society, you know, because of the way we're, we're looking at the world today, um, people are starting to <sighs> rebel might be a strong term for it, but, but work with me on it. Um, 
there's a lot of, because of equality, there's a lot of people coming to the defense of the orcs at this point, that it's, there's a certain level of racism involved with it. And I'm like, well, you know, you're just not seeing that they were never meant to be, you know, pointed at in this particular fashion. It was just, you know, you needed to have that bad guy. And this is, this is how this came about, but there's, there's the backlash. There's, there's backlash again. And it's like, wait, what? Really? Is that, a, is that a thing? I don't know. It's just, okay, I'm scratching my head on that. The orcs is pushing it a little. Mm-hmm. Backlash against some of the depictions of the men who sided with Sauron? Mm-hmm. That's another kettle of fish. Fair. Fair. Huh. Why Sorry, don't you guys gotta... can kind of continue this conversation while I can run upstairs and get some dinner? Because I'm getting <laughs> yelled at by my family that um, that's inconsiderate that it's Mother's Day's dinner and I'm FC3ing. So, yeah. So, well, you know, life is this is the way yeah. life works sometimes. But so, yeah, go ahead, go food, and we will continue to talk about. Yeah, continue to continue to talk about and. Uh, um, help Billy understand a little bit more of the like Lord of the Rings type stuff and um, okay. talk about it. And I'm hoping to be back downstairs within 10 minutes. Okay. Now, the cool thing about uh, Lord of the Rings, the thing that we can focus on first, right off the Jones, is that um, Tolkien started writing The Hobbit first. The, you know, people talk about Lord of the Rings, then The Hobbit came out, you know, and we can talk about how Hobbit was split into three movies another time because that's just a travesty. Um, but he wrote The Hobbit first, and it was kind of a uh, an ode to his grandkids. He was, he was teaching them, and he was telling them stories and whatnot, and meanwhile creating this vast world that became Middle-earth. And the thing about Tolkien is he was genius. The man was scary smart. Uh, he would create languages just for his own amusement because he was a linguistics professor, I believe at Oxford, if I remember correctly. Um, so here's, he's just creating all of this stuff. And then he experienced, was it, was it Grant? Because I think he was a young man still in World War One. But regardless of that, uh, in World War One is when he was starting to experience what war was like. And he translated that into his stories. And, and that's where Lord of the Rings came into play. Um, so it's, it's, there's your, it was his way of kind of seeing the war through the lens of his creations and understanding, um, understanding how everything fits together. I mean, it it was kind of his own, his own therapy was to write this all in and create these stories. I may be kind of really far off because I know there was a, a Tolkien biopic starring Nicholas Holt that came out recently and I have not seen that. Um, but I'm basing my, my, uh, summation off of it uh of my own you know i'm hearing anecdotes and i'm hearing stories being told etc etc over the over the years um i believe i believe you billy you and i are at least contemporaries of tolkien i don't think he passed away until 73 i i believe you're correct in in the early 70s uh, at some point but like i said i've never been i remember reading at least part of the hobbit Mm -hmm. uh during god what grades would that have been where they would have Probably had middle school read. yeah that's what i'm thinking i would say and middle school. i and i watched the first movie and to be honest with you and i know they're fantastic movies and beautiful and well acted mm-hmm. just didn't grab me and mm-hmm. which i i you know, and I like good movies and I don't have to, I, but for some reason they've just never called to me. Uh, 
the Lord of the Rings movies. I brought them up to Susan recently and thought maybe we should give these a try. She's never seen any of them. And okay. I, I feel bad for my lack of interest in them. I shouldn't. I mean, well, you know, seriously. I, I, everything's I, for everybody. Yeah, exactly. That's the thing. And, and you know, like, um, you know, classic example. My uh, my daughter's boyfriend is like, you know, he's not all about it, you know, but he, he sat through it last night and watched it with us. And, uh, you know, he picked out some stuff and there were some things he's like. And he's like, no, there's just there's other things I just don't get. And, and that's and that's cool. That's a thing. Like in, um, in Clerks 2, there's the uh, debate between uh, Randall and Elias. Elias is a big Lord of the Rings guy, and Randall oh, loves Star Wars. There's only one trilogy. This is my impression of Lord of the Rings. I'm walking. I'm walking. Yeah, I'm walking. I remember that one. <laughs> you can definitely see yeah. the hand of the author there yeah. in that scene. Uh, mm-hmm. For sure. And that's a side I'm on too. So, but like I said, I feel like I haven't given a fair enough chance to Lord of the Rings and that I should like them because for some reason, people who aren't like us in general, the, the people who think they're too cool to like the nerdy geeky stuff, they lump all that stuff in together. Like we should all like everything. Mm hmm. Or I don't know if you get that way, but you know my former coworker John DeTulio would oh, feel that way. Yeah, like, we should like everything that we should like all. No, and I'm a superhero guy, but not all superhero movies are good movies. No, you know there's some bad ones, just like there's bad comedies, bad Looking action. At you movies. Thor: The Dark World. I didn't <laughs> mind that one. I, I was also like, looking at you, Spider Man Three. Okay, yeah, yeah. That asteroid. Ugh. But you've heard me do that rant. Yeah. Right. So then I appreciate the frustration behind it too. But I, I feel like I need to give Lord of the Rings another chance. Just because I mean they're Academy Award winning movies. Right. And I feel like I should give them a chance. Um like Susan recently we, we watch she's not a horror person. She doesn't like monster movies. That, but there are some that are just so good, you can't deny. It. Like I, I got her to watch The Shape of Water, which okay. isn't necessarily a monster movie, but it is. It's it's almost the creature from the Black Lagoon from the point of view of the creature, or right. makes the creature the hero. Uh, we watched the the uh, the theater version, and I I don't know if it's still up there on YouTube. They have the theater version of Frankenstein. With uh, Benedict Cumberbatch and Johnny oh, yeah. Miller. I heard about it. I've heard that's phenomenal. It and is. Uh, I haven't had a chance to watch it myself yet, but I'm and looking there, forward to taking that in. There's two different versions. There's because Benedict Cumberbatch and Johnny Lee Miller would swap roles every night. Uh-huh. Like one night it was Johnny Lee Miller's the scientist and Benedict Cumberbatch is the creature. Then the next night it was the other way around. Wow. And it's, it's a phenomenal performance it and we love and like as susan wound up loving these uh perf- both shape of water and frankenstein oh and by the way another recommendation dracula on netflix okay uh, the same people that did sherlock did uh oh, okay. a so Mark dracula. what's uh-huh. that Stephen Moffat and Mark Gatiss. Exactly. They, there's a three-part, no, three 90-minute Dracula movies, basically. Mm-hmm. And 
phenomenal. Beyond phenomenal. So, so the, to steer things back to Lord of the Rings. Yeah, I'm yep. sorry. Uh, my oh, no personal... Oh, oh, no, that was a very, very entertaining tangent. Fun tangent, yeah. But I just want to get get this stuff off my own personal chest. There you go. My principal interaction with that is through the book of The Hobbit, which one of my fondest childhood memories is my father reading that to my sister and I, mm-hmm. a chapter a night, every night, even when we were on vacation at Old Forge going to Enchanted Forest Water Safari. We did not oh, interrupt cool. that because we were enjoying that so much. Uh-huh. You know, that there was one of the few times Dad really read to us as we got one of the last times he really read to us as we were getting older and yeah, I would go back and reread the book. It was this old worn out copy. And then I tried to read the Lord of the Rings and I got as far as Tom Bombadil. Yeah. And I was like, this is going slower than a glacier. Yeah. The, the language is thick. That's the thing, and, and that's it's. I mentioned how how intelligent Tolkien was, um, and so while that's a bonus because it gives him this ability to have all of these elaborate thoughts and be able to create this elaborate thing, uh, it also created a situation where his his his, uh, his telling of the story is so thick, and and I want to stress the word. You know, because it's so hard. I, I honestly, I have read the whole trilogy of Lord of the Rings once. And it took me essentially 10 years to pull it off. You know, I'd read a little bit at a time. I'd read a little bit at a time. I'd come back to it. I'd come back to it. I didn't really muscle through the whole story uh, until I knew the movies were coming. And then I backed, you know, I, I dove in because I wanted to have as much as I could ahead of time before the movies came out. And uh, it was a slog. I mean, the, the, the visualization, you could, if you can see it, you can feel it, you know, and the, the depth of the lore. I mean, this one man created everything about this story and it was impressive. And I think, and because I was, by the time I finished it, by the time I was in that home stretch, I was, again, I was an avid D&D player. Right. So anything involving wizards and warriors and, and, you know, war and orcs and rex, you know, magic and things like that. I was, I was all in, you know, so it, it gave me a connectivity to the material, but it's tough. I will admit it, you know, to find out that Christopher Lee, the actor who played Saruman in the movies, uh, Christopher Lee um, would read Lord of the Rings every year. And he knew Tolkien. He had met Tolkien on several occasions. They were friends. You know, Lee was at his funeral, apparently, if the anecdotes are are clear. Uh, and it was just one of those things where it's like, it, this all fits together. But I couldn't imagine hunkering in and just reading that book every year. <laughs> it's like, Yet another wow. reason, Christopher Lee is a very remarkable human he being. Is, he is an impressive human being. He was an impressive human being. My favorite Christopher Lee anecdote, and I was telling, telling this to the, Tanya and the kids last night, um, during the filming of the third movie, Return of the King, uh, when Saruman, uh, Saruman manages, he uh, meets his, his unfortunate end, uh, Peter Jackson is directing 
Christopher Lee on how to go through the, you know, the motions and the sounds he should be considering making things like that. And, and Lee is who had been in the SIS for Britain during world war two, just stops Jackson in his tracks and looks him dead in the eye and goes, I know how, what the, I know what a man sounds like when he's been stabbed from the back. And everybody just stopped and stared and went, okay, Chris, no problem. We got discovered. <laughs> you know? It's like, oh, dear Lord. <laughs> that happened. So okay, that's, my quite, favorite. that's one of my favorite anecdotes, at least. Here's a question every nerd geek should know the mm-hmm. answer to, and I don't, and I feel stupid asking it. No, is, it, it is it one book or is it three books or four with the books. Hobbit? Okay. Yeah, The Hobbit was one book that got split into three movies for reasons that I can only imagine involved profit. Yeah, Um, but not much in terms of actual story. I mean, a lot of the third movie for The Hobbit series was drawn from appendices and uh, other separate tales and things like that. Uh, But as far as The Lord of the Rings itself is concerned, uh, it was three books. Now, he had written it as, originally as one full story. Okay, so it was one book when he first wrote the whole saga. Um, but the publishers were like, "This is just too much. This is too big. You know, it's it's unwieldy." And so we're we're going to find logis- logical places to kind of like split this up so that there's a to be continued, to be continued, so these books can be in manageable sections. And he grumped about it, but eventually he relented, and and that's how you got Fellowship of the Ring, The Two Towers, and Return of the King. Uh, so it's a progression, uh, but yeah, the each movie was based on on a book, on a single okay. book, like Harry Potter, the Gunslinger. Harry Potter was intentionally written as, as seven books. Yeah, right. Okay, thank okay. you. Okay, you're welcome. Yeah, that was a good question because that's the thing is a lot of people didn't understand that they were like, well, is it just one like battlefield Earth sized book? And 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 when it was originally written, it was, but the publishers, you know, had a had a better handle on what was going on than the publishers who handled L. Ron Hubbard. And, and so, yeah, it was chunked into manageable sections. Handling L. Ron Hubbard. There's an interesting mental image. <laughs> that could go in several different directions, couldn't it? Anyway. Um, Tanya, are you back yet? Just out of curiosity? Yeah. I've there been back is. for... A couple minutes. I was just checking. I'm, I'm done with my spaghetti. I'm working on my garlic bread right now. There you go. See? Nice. Um, what are some of your early... Because I remember, uh, you know, like I said, as as a you know middle school, reading a little bit of The Hobbit and then working my way through Lord of the Rings through the 80s and 90s. Um, and then, again, for me, it was a return to The Hobbit um, when my kids... I think Jules and Ian, we were living on Denise... And I think they had to be like six, seven, eight years old, somewhere in that neck of the woods, right? So I read The Hobbit to them. And so that was kind of bringing it to the new generation and having a new new joy for it because it's that paying it forward. Like James, his father read the book to him. But my, my dad read me uh, Danny the Champion of the World by Roald Dahl, you know? And then my paying it forward was bringing The Hobbit to my kids. And so that kind of got them into the whole swords and sorcery fantasy kind of genre but tanya dear what was your kind of earliest exposures to it um i'm gonna say uh i read fellowship the ring and two towers um probably late 90s Mm -hmm. Um, 
I didn't read it in high school. It was definitely after I graduated from college. Um, probably not too long before the movies were made. Mm-hmm. I never um, read Return of the King. Um, okay. No, I haven't read The Hobbit. Um, the Hobbit's a fun read. The what? The Hobbit is a fun read. It's nice. It's a lot it's easier to it's a lot easier to deal with than than the, the saga. Yeah. Um. Every so often, your audio kicks in and out. It's weird, like it's garbled every yeah. so often. Chris, you're glitching every once in a while. All right. So, I can accept that. Yeah. So that's why I'm like, I might have to ask you to repeat because I don't know. I didn't know if it was my end or must be. It, it's probably my end. Your computer's not happy. No, it isn't. It's it's due for retirement. So, um, so I've never like quote unquote finished the story in the book per se, but I've finished the story in the movies and now rewatching it yesterday. It's, it's something I've watched. Um, I think maybe one, caught bits and pieces of it one other time, other than watching it like the first time. So I haven't seen this in like probably what was it nineteen years? Mm-hmm. Decided that. So I would say at least 16, 17 years that I've, since I've seen the movie, I just didn't even realize how old the movie was. Mm-hmm. Because when we were talking about it, we're like, we were looking at, does Lord of the Rings stand, um, did it withhold the, the test of time um, type thing? Since it's more D&D, adventure, medieval, that type of stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's not necessarily modern. Yes, I think it has withheld the the test of time, except for some of the the um, graphics and CGI and things like that. Yeah, um, we were talking about that last night. And what I hadn't seen is the extended version, and that's the version that you had. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, because I remember looking at you, going, I don't remember this part. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't remember this part. No, when they met Galadriel, they just, like just came to a forest, whatever, talked, and then they went on their way. And I'm like, yeah, there was the a whole Lothorian section there in the extended version. And then I'm like, huh. And her turning into like being tempted by the ring or whatever, and mm-hmm. it was very, very cheesy esque. Well, yeah, I, that, I always thought that was a weak point in the original movie. Um, so. <laughs> Excuse so, me. But as I told you earlier, now I want to go watch Two Towers and Return of the King mm-hmm. because now I have to complete it. Well, I, ha- I have them. Hint, hint. Come on over. We'll, <laughs> we'll watch them. I'll be happy to. That, those, like, those, those movies gonna... are my jam. And I think going back to what James was talking about earlier before I had to go get food, mm-hmm. it... um missing out on D and that face-to-face interaction mm-hmm. and, and playing Dungeons and Dragons right now, it kind of threw me back into that watching Lord of the Rings last night. Mm-hmm. Cause then we were talking about, and um, Josh brought up a good point going, Hey, I thought Gandalf is supposed to be a uh, such and such high level wizard. Why isn't he casting spells during the, yeah, and that's the, the trap. That's the thing we're so used to. We're so used to video games and D and D and things like that. That he should, if he's this powerful, he should have access to this, 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 and this. But that's you know, remember, D and D was created from Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings, D and D did not exist when Lord of the Rings was being written. Right. Uh, so the power of the wizard was yeah. There's magic, but it's more of 
presence and strength and authority and ability, you know, rather than just here's here's a fireball, here's a web spell, here's magic missile, here's a control water. Here's you know, Otto's like irresistible dance. Exactly, one of the greatest spells mm-hmm. ever. Um, you know, so you know, uncontrollable hideous laughter. Exactly. I mean, it, you're so you're not looking at quantifiable, detailed. Uh, you know, powers, you know, a, a wizard was an entirely different thing, but, you know, and so that's why in D and D the wizard was given, you know, cause it was so vague in the books and so vague, obviously in the movies, it was given more specific things. Cause now we're playing an actual game. It's time to mm-hmm. have rules and sets and, you know, abilities and things like that. So, you know, well, it, one built on the other. Be, Gandalf seems to be more of like that, that wizened sage. Mm-hmm. That goes and researches all the information and researches, researches the lore in regards to this and um, has like more of like druidic type powers because he can he can talk to the animals and everything mm-hmm. and Jules decide that Gandalf was a Disney princess. <laughs> it's, um, Jules had that something. theory running. She was like, no, <laughs> Gandalf is a Disney princess and I will prove it. Okay, and, and her logic worked, but well, if Thor is a Disney princess, hmm, true. Um, so where was I going with this? I do not know. But so, like talking about the casting of spells, and we kind of because Josh has been playing D anD D with you guys, right? So looking at more of like that, he has like. PowerPoints or like a, a pool of uh, like stamina that he's drawing upon, and mm-hmm. he's got to let it like kind of rest in order to recharge it, that type of thing. So he's using it in like pertinent positions that he can fall back to using his sword and a staff to hit things because he doesn't necessarily need his spells. But he'll probably definitely need it against the Belrog. So, <laughs> you think so that's, that's a demon, and he is going to get all the XP and not sharing it with any of the other party, and he is going to get all the good magic items, at least in the D and D respect. Right. <laughs> that's my take on that. There you but, go. But no, so I don't know. I don't think I definitely don't think my kids could sit through it. Tyler might be able to sit through some of it, but I think just the language, not that it's inappropriate language, the the richness of the language would be something that he probably wouldn't understand certain things at times. Okay. Which is fair. Um, mm -hmm. But I think he would definitely understand the story. And, um, but as I said, I, uh, I would now need to continue it because I need to watch Strider. <laughs> now, the video game fan in me, but when I hear Strider, my mind goes to the old Capcom arcade game, not uh-huh. Aragorn. Aragorn, yeah. Yeah. Well, because that's his, uh, his uh, alias because he didn't want to necessarily be known as Isildur's heir. So, right. Strider was his trail name. Mm-hmm. So, um, but uh, I don't know. So, but would we remake it? Well, that's that. 
point is moot. They're working on it. They're working on a series for, I believe, Amazon. Yes, Amazon. Amazon's got it. They got and, it. Um, and so, you know, that it's happening. I Have they come out with any casting information? Do you know of that? Hold on. Yeah, Tanya's on it. No surprise there. Mercifully <laughs> for us. The, the problem I'm having is, is the fact that as far as I'm concerned, you had just about the perfect cast. Okay. So, you know, when when I see Strider, I can only see Viggo Mortensen, you know, because he is just so consummately into it. I don't know who you'd be able to get to, to do that part. And it's really hard to top John Reese davis for just about anything. Oh, God, yeah. I mean, him as Gimli was just phenomenal. And Treebeard. That's true. He had that cameo uh, voicing the Ent. That is a fair, good, solid point there. Um, let's see. Lord of the Rings TV series. Um, Amazon closed the deal in November 2017. Right, so it's um, been a while. Uh, Payne and McKay were hired to develop the series in July 2018. Casting took place around the world with Robert Aramayo um, leading the large cast of series regulars and clicking on him he was Eddard Stark the role of young Eddard Stark and he is believed to be playing um, the leading role of Beldor in Lord Lord of the Rings I'm not a clue so is Um, this supposed to be another a different take on it um it says filming began in February 2020 in New Zealand. Um, that the government ensured the series could only be produced in the country where the film trilogy had been made. Uh-huh. And as of March, it, production was placed on was placed on hold due to the COVID nineteen pandemic. Okay. So right now they're not filming anything or doing any production on the series. Um, uh-huh. It was. Expect- it was a- is expected to premiere um, on Prime Video in 2021. Oh, all um, right, something to look forward to, I suppose. Season was formally ordered in 2019, so two seasons have been ordered of it. Um, this is set in the Second Age of Middle Earth before the events of the Lord of the Rings books and films. Oh, so, so it's going to lead to the the war of the war against Sauron. Okay, so it's set. It's not going to be a remake of Lord of the Rings. It's going to be a story it's set. In older material, older in terms of uh, of material that was never mind. You know, I know what I'm talking about. You guys know what yeah. I'm talking about. Um, it says in March of 2019, Amazon revealed the series would be set in the second second age of Middle Earth, thousands of years before the story of Lord of the Rings. The said um, Shipley explained that the series was not allowed to contradict anything that Tolkien had written about the second age. You would have to follow the broad strokes of his narrative. Mm-hmm. Um, Amazon is free to add characters or details to fill in the gaps between the works. It's only allowed to adapt and reference contact content from the Lord of the Rings books and their extensive appendices other than rather than any of the other books such as, that explore the second age such as the Cimmerillion. Okay. Um, so they can't use the Cimmerillion for this. Interesting. Um, I wonder why that would be, but okay. The token estate is notoriously litigious and notoriously controlling. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah, well, so- Christopher, his, his son recently passed away. I'm wondering if that's going to have an effect on how material is handled. I don't know. 
Do you think it'll be easier in like a one hour format to tell a story stretched out over 10, 12, 15? I I do. I think because now that you have, you have the ability now to put more in, because I know that was a big thing that a lot of people complained about with the, when the original trilogy came out was that a lot of things got skipped, which was, you know, it's not a huge loss. Um, yeah, but you know, now, now we're finding now we're finding out they're not even telling that same story. So yeah, that's a so thing. They can I'm, kind I'm, of do whatever they want. True. I mean, just uh, to compare it, I recently watched the uh, HBO version of The Watchmen, which turns out to be a sequel to the original book slash movie, and okay. so they weren't beholden to recreate anything from the original story it, it was a continuation so and in the case of this lord of the rings it's a prequel so you can sort of while staying faithful to the original uh characters or what the original story mm-hmm. you can sort of do what you want also you're given more of a free reign real quick sorry yeah go ahead james oh, go ahead Real, real quick. Speaking of Watchmen, my parents watched that and they enjoyed it. I didn't get to because I wasn't familiar with the first story, but I do respect the heck out of it existing because it made Alan Moore angry. <laughs> Why is that such a good thing? Let me ask that question. Because Alan what? Moore is a stuck-up snob. Okay, Everything makes Alan Moore angry. Frankly, he's also a bit of a hypocrite because when he was creating Watchmen. He wanted to use the old Charlton comics characters, Blue Beetle, mm-hmm. Captain Adam, uh, The Question, and so on. Mm-hmm. DC comics told him, no, we got plans for these characters, so uh, do something else. And so he made up his own. And yet, somehow, Alan Moore isn't fond of people being iterative on his characters when, mm-hmm. I, when, it, in, when it's like he wanted to be iterative on other people's characters in the first place. Mm. So hypocrisy blowing up in people's faces. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, look, doing some more um, reference in regards to the second age um, is most notable for being the time period when Sauron created the one ring to rule all the other rings of power. Mm-hmm. Um, so by the time Schmeagel had come across the ring, it had already been lost for over 2000 years. Um if you it says if you're wondering how much ground can be covered in the series with the second age of the setting, the second age spans approximately 3,400 years. Yes. Yes, it's a lot. Um, and and, and uh, certain elves were there for all of it. Yeah. So you can add that says um, the the estate has refused to grant Amazon permission to film anything other than the second age as to not alter the history of the more fleshed out third age. But you can add new characters and ask a lot of questions like, what has Sauron done in the meantime? Where was he after Morgoth was defeated? Mm-hmm. Um, so theoretically, theoretically um, Amazon can answer these questions by inventing answers, since Tolkien did not describe it. But it must not contradict anything that Tolkien did say. That's what Amazon has to watch out for. It must oh, be I know the answer to that question about Sauron. Yeah, what was he up to? He was in Gotham City. Oh, Just watch the Lego Batman movie. <laughs> he's in it oh my god really yeah him and the wicked witch of the west and the daleks and agent smith from the matrix and so Yikes. On. that's amazing yeah <laughs> so we won't have like 
like a lot of like there might be the character of Elrond would be in there because he's over three thousand years old. But mm-hmm. um, it'd be interesting to see if they even bring Hugo Weaving in to, to do the part. That would be cool. Yeah, well, um, they, can they weave said, him in. um that it's also reported that Morphid Clark from his Dark Materials and Dracula has joined the cast as a young Galadriel. Um, let's see. Will uh, said back in September, Will Port Will Porter, um, was reportedly cast as Beldor, but in December, Variety reported that he would not be in the series due to scheduling conflicts. Um, Emma Horvath had joined the cast, um, so there's a lot of people that are in the cast, but they still said they have key roles to still cast for it. That's cool. It sounds like it's going to be interesting. Mm-hmm. So, and this I am one, I'm curious to see how this is going to turn out now. And the thing I'm reading from is IndieWire.com, and it was from March 17th, 2020. So, a little less than two months ago. Uh, let's see, anything else? Now it says, as of five days ago, it currently has no release date. Mm, gee, I wonder why. um it says it's been paused from meantime doing the due to the ongoing pandemic there's still news coming out of middle earth um cast announcements and word of a potential release dates but they've scoured the internet like saruman scoured the shrine the shire to find everything you need to know um anything else that the delay will impact that the rumored December 2021 release date remains to be seen. Hopefully they're saying that the date is far enough away, meaning this interruption right now hopefully would not have too much impact to that release date. So they're hmm. hoping that it still would be a December 2021. That's fair. Uh Fallen on uh, Jurassic World Fallen Dur- Kingdom director J.A. Bayona will helm the first two episodes of the first season. So we are going to see Middle-earth from a different angle, one that had been hinted at during the original stories, and that's cool. And there's going to be dinosaurs. And there's going to be dinosaurs? Oh, I like that. How do you figure dinosaurs? Jurassic Park guy. No, Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom director is helming the first two seasons. Oh, so he's going to label in some some, uh, dinosaurs, huh? I don't know. He's going to play to a strong suit. (laughs) i don't know who you people are i really don't know don't believe us really it's probably not happening no yeah no but there's probably like dragons and stuff which that's true descendants of dinosaurs do you think they're doing this because game of thrones was so popular that just hit me that the Hollywood producers realized, hey, let's find something else we can put dragons and wizards in. Yeah, and that makes sense. There's mm-hmm. a podcast waiting to happen right there, Game of Thrones. I've got a yeah. lot to say about that. I have to finish it. The rings. I, I agree with you. There's definitely some some mm-hmm. material there to be playing with. Because mm-hmm. I, I, I'm right there with everybody else. I'm a little disappointed with how it ended. 
Right. Now, there's another Lord of the Rings adjacent project that I remember submitting to you to read about, Chris, when uh-huh. you were reading my news briefs on video games. It's uh, it's supposed to center around Gollum, and it's supposed to include new token estate authorized lore about what he got up to after he found the ring, but before he met Bilbo. Yes, I remember that article now. And I have not heard a peep about this game since that point. Huh. So I'm wondering I'm wondering if it's another COVID-19 victim. Uh, there's there's no telling, really. I mean, did you did you have a title for that one by any chance? Let me see what I can dig up. It's time I did some of the research instead of poor Tanya. That's part of my job was the research, but go right ahead because it's the game part. I'm still looking at uh, Lord of the Rings uh, TV show something. Um, it says Ian McKellen, who's played Can- Gandalf in all six of the Lord of the Rings Hobbit films, has expressed his interest in reprising his role for the TV series. Well, sort of. Mm-hmm. Um, during an interview on Graham Norton's BBC radio show back in December 2017, Nor- Norton asked whether McKellen would be annoyed to see another actor playing Gandalf. What do you mean another Gandalf? McKellen responded before adding, I haven't said yes because I haven't been asked. But are you suggesting that someone else is going to play it? Gandalf is over 7,000 years old, so I'm not too old. So, <laughs> I love it. So then, meanwhile, Orlando Bloom, who played Legolas in the films, has all but ruled himself out telling Entertainment Tonight, I don't know where I would fit in now in that world. If you're saying I'd come back as Legolas, they'd probably got a 19-year-old kid. Um, well, I don't even think Legolas was alive. I don't think he's is old enough to to be in the a second age kind of a story. Yeah, I know he's, he's, I, I think he's a thousand, but which is no, no small feat still, but I don't know. I wouldn't put him. Let, let me research anyway. Legolas. Well, you, yeah, you want, yeah. Quote unquote air quotes, research Legolas. I am. Oh, while you're doing that, I got an answer to that game. Okay. It's, uh, it's the reason we haven't heard much about it is because it's not due out until next year. Ah. Uh, it's it, it, it or sense. at least initially confirmed for PC and quote all relevant consoles, mm-hmm. probably meaning the next iterations of Xbox and PlayStation, which are supposed to be out at the end of this year. Mm-hmm. And let's see it and everything that happens to him before he appears in the book, namely Lord of the Rings, are the main things we see in our game. The game was then subject to a world exclusive preview in Edge magazine in January which revealed some more details about the story. The game will kick off in Barad-dur, a Mordor fortress, where the Mm -hmm. creature is being kept against his will, but the developers assured there will be other giant, persistent environments to be explored beyond the initial setting. So there would... There might be a prison break element to Gollum getting out of there. Okay. And it confirms that the Nazgul and Thranduil... I know I'm mispronouncing that. Thranduil. Yeah, they will also... Uh, oh, Thranduil being the father of Legolas. Speaking yes. of, of, of him. Lee Pace's part in the, the Hobbit movies. As well. And Daedalic's version of Gollum will look nothing like the Andy Serkis version. <laughs> so that's, those are the big takeaways I got from this article I found on Games Radar. Okay. 
Okay, in regards to Legolas, um, he's Prince of the Woodland Realm. Mm-hmm. Um, his birth is unknown. Death departed to Amman in uh, FO120 from Ithilien. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, in the appendices, or just at the tail end of Return of the King when they're doing the wrap up uh, in like the epilogue or stuff, you find out that. Uh, several years after the hobbits take off, and uh, you know Bilbo and Frodo and and, uh, and Gandalf and those guys, they all take off on the last ship out to uh, the Grey Havens, which is basically the Elven version of heaven. Um, uh, that Legolas builds a boat because Gimli is so old for a dwarf that he's on the verge of passing away from from old age. So Legolas builds a boat and carries Gimli over to the gray havens so that he may have, you know, this wonderful, glorious afterlife. That's, that's basically, like I said, it's the elven version of, of heaven is, is the gray havens, but you get to choose, you just jump on a boat, go over the sea and boom, you're there. Uh, and I always got a kick out of the fact that they always make references of going to the West. So what they're saying is they're leaving England and going to America and America's the havens apparently, which I don't know what's, what they're smoking, but that's the halfling leaf thing going on there. So <laughs> take it as you will. So I don't. So it opens it up that he's older than what we really would know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which makes sense. Oh, hello. But he's just a very young-looking elf. <laughs> At least in those movies. So mm-hmm. he's an elf, basically. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. He. Uh, Legolas is a full elf. Yeah. I mean, is, what I'm trying to say is, young-looking elf is almost saying like a ball is shaped like a circle. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. <laughs> that that's definitely fair. <laughs> oh, I'm I'm being oh hello I'm being sniffed. Hello, small ch- furry child. Hello, Juno. Juno is here. I'm going to put my headset on her so you can all say hi to her. I don't think she's nope. She's resist. Never mind. Okay. I'm put my headset on her. She's like, what the hell, Dad? <laughs> she's like, don't do that. She's like, no, I'm here for scritches. Leave me alone. Just touch me. Oh, pupper. She was uh, very patient and watched most of Lord of the Rings with me last night, too. Uh, so where do we want to go with this? Oh, oh, okay. Got it. We've been at it for an hour, you know. In the official movie guide for Lord of the Rings, the birth date for Legolas is set to TA-87. This would make him 2,931 years old at the time of the War of the Ring. Okay. Coincidentally, Aragorn was born during the year 2931 in the Third Age. Yeah, I remember that uh, that exchange between him and uh, Eowyn in the second movie, where he talks about the fact that he's almost 90 years old. Hmm. Because he is the Dunedain. It's it's seriously it's just try to keep up with all the references, and that that circles back around to what I was originally saying about Tolkien just being so just brilliant. I mean, just so intellectually brilliant because of he crafted the dwarven language, the elven language, the orcish language. He crafted the tongue of Mordor. He crafted all these poems and songs. He crafted all this thousands upon thousands of years of lore, and you know, and it and it persevered. That's the thing. That's the thing that just boggles the imagination the most is just how these stories have endured over the past hundred years 
you know, and how more. these concepts have been iterated on. Oh God, yeah, easily, you know, and amazingly, and and uh, and, and it's part of our lexicon. It's part of our consciousness. It's. I mean, I'm just, I'm, I'm always amazed. And whenever, so whenever somebody asks me something like that, I'm like, oh, it's, you know, it's my go-to. It's so easy to make it my go-to. It's just such a great and classic tale. I mean, good versus evil and, you know, complex choices and, and what's right and what's wrong and, and how to look at the world. And sometimes the good man has to make bad choices. And it's just, it's, it's amazing to me. It's always it just the depth of it has always been amazing to me. And it, it feeds into so many other stories. So what you're saying is Lord of the Rings is exactly like professional wrestling. Yes, exactly. They even wear tights in some of the editions of it. Good versus evil, faces and heels. There you there go. You go. And mostly men. I can see Gollum doing some Lucha Libre. <laughs> you know? And the ring is the title belt. There you go. And, and the Hobbit everyone wants wrestling. it. But anyway. Uh, so you say oh, yeah, we take we a could break do an and entire, we'll... Go ahead, James. We could you do an it. entire podcast just comparing and contrasting orcs from different settings. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like oh, the, the the game world that I DM in 99% of the time um, is a homebrew. It's something I've started creating, geez, when I was in college. So in, like in 1989 is when I first laid down the first continent and, uh, and built all these stories. I think I've DM'd something like 10 different campaigns in it over the past 30 plus years. Um, the orcs for a long time were your standard run of mill. Okay, here's your bad guy. The orcs are the bad guys. The orcs are the bad guys. The raiders, the trade, the you know whatever the case. But as they've evolved in my world, at least I can't speak for anybody else. But I've given the you know in over the past twenty years, my world has taken on analogs. Like certain countries are the analogs of of England and Camelot, and then certain are Russia and certain is Korea, and and my version of China is is, is an Elven kingdom. The, the my my Asians are are Elves that have the sharper, more almond eyes, and and have all of that culture and all that depth. The orcs have become Native American. They're tribal. They're not raiders. They're not just massive assault creatures. They just don't see you and kill you. They they are tribal. They I tried to I did a lot of research in Native America and tried to really kind of grasp the feel and the tenor, give it that honor and the respect it deserves. So that when the party ran across orcs, there was a funny because you you have that meta moment where the players are like, oh my God, orcs, we're gonna have to attack. And and um they stop they stopped and they throw all back because they realized, oh wait, there's there's role playing going on, there's talking going on. Why are they Oh, this, and, and, and it helped open their eyes to the possibility that. Not all know, orcs are bad guys. Yeah, not all orcs are bad guys. I mean, you should be sure there was a tribe that was corrupted, but that's not a story entirely, and I won't tell it because you may come across that someday. Hint, hint. Uh, anyway. <laughs> well, it's like even in our Thursday campaign, mm -hmm. um, Sean and Hunter, and now Robin, are all playing half orcs. Mm -hmm. So. So, but they have more of the orc type features than um, human. So, I mean, even they've taken, they're like, um, Sean's like, I, I even hate myself at times because <laughs> he hates the orc race, but he, his character is a product of, of what's happened between an orc and a human. And mm -hmm. he's, he's using it as part of his background backstory. So, like we have such a diverse group anyway with, mm -hmm. with uh, orcs and half, half orcs and a human and I'm a elf, I think. 
probably maybe. I think mm. I'm an elf. Evan's a Evan's a um, halfling, and Squire's a gnome. So I mean, it's it's kind of like Lord of the Rings. All the things, different um, races coming together to um, have a common goal. Mm-hmm. Somewhat of a common goal depends on if a Wexler runs off on us. <laughs> that's a different story. <laughs> we see last night. I'm like, oh, that's a Wexler. Oh, that's a Wexler. Yeah, oh, there's a Wexler. Wexler. Oh, that's this. And it, I'll explain it, that reference during a game night some night. And and it's just so interesting because even while we were watching last night, we could say, oh, that's a that type of spell, or oh, yeah. that that could have been something. We saw like, about a dozen actual D and D spells. We, we could pick them out. You know, shield and control of water and light um, and yeah, that that type of stuff. And then, of course, the the um, magic um, effects of the one ring making people disappear and how it's tied to ring the yeah. the ring race and things like that, and puts him mm-hmm. on that um, ethereal type plane. That's why no one can see him because he's basically plane shifted. Well, it was a little bit more than that, but I, yeah, I get I get but, what you're saying on that one gone ethereal or whatever and so therefore mm-hmm. uh, things are out to get you then type thing so right but yeah there's a, there's definitely a lot of dungeons dragons oh and then the other thing that we saw um um was it isengard Isen- yeah Isen- whatever that i'm like wait that kind of looks like uh ice crown citadel from mm-hmm. uh world of warcraft and you're like yep so I could see all of the stuff from World of Warcraft that came out of the Lord of the Rings movies. Now those are my kind of orcs. <laughs> Warcraft orcs. There you go. So it was interesting. So at this point, yep, let's take a quick break and then we will be back. And, and we'll have a question of the week on board. Yep. And upcoming events. Yay! back ladies and gentlemen it's always good to see you guys or at least hear from you in this case Mm -hmm. trying in precarious times my friends trying in precarious times so um what are we doing for events right now are we still working on that that list um well as people know that we have postponed our um cosplay um pj party okay um we're still in the works to find out when we're going to reschedule it based on what we um, know for the phased reopening of New York state. Mm-hmm. Um, I am guessing it will have to be after phase four has been. Yeah. Um, Cause entertainment stuff's not coming up until four. Right. And entertainment, but also um, it would be in a restaurant. So it would be at half capacity or whatever that capacity mm-hmm. is for um the 585 burger bar because that's where it would be held so right we're taking all of our direction from the state of new york and the burger bar in order for us to plan accordingly so everyone remains um safe and healthy right absolutely 
because there's no point in putting on a show if everybody's sick and can't make it. Exactly. So, um, so there's that that we are not sure about. Mm-hmm. Um, in August, we have FLXCon, um, put on by the Finger Lakes Radio Group. Yep, we're just helping them out. We're helping them out. Um, and that's August 15th at the Quality Inn in Waterloo. Um, more information is on our Facebook page and um, the FLX Cons Facebook page. Mm-hmm. Um, there are still um, spots to vendor at that event. Um, so make sure that you uh, tell your local people, that your favorite vendors, that you want them there so you can support them. Um, and then in September, Christopher, on the yes, 19th dear. and 20th, what's happening? Uh, well, it's past my birthday by a couple of weeks. So, well, your birthday's oh. the second. Yeah, my birthday's, birthday's the second. second. And and so it it'd be FC three number five. The search for FC three four. We lost it. I'm here. No, we we lost FC FC three four. We lost. We it. did. We lost it. So we have to get. We have to find it again. Yes. Yeah, we got to get Hacksaw Jim Duggan back out there. <laughs> he was he was fun. We had a lot of fun with him. <laughs> Excuse me. But yeah, that's it. That's the, the big show is in September. God willing. And that'll be at Total Sports Experience on Elm Grove Road in Gates. Right. And we still, um, Jason Font from Time Force Rangers, mm-hmm. um, Mike McFarland, and uh, Tiffany Volmer. From I keep wanting the- to call her Tracy Volmer for some reason. I have no idea why, but it's, the keyword is stuck in my head. I don't know, but they are both known from uh, Dragon Ball Z mm-hmm. and Mike McFar- McFarland has a whole bunch of other credits behind his name, as does Tiffany Volmer. Um, so I can't wait to see both of them. Um, and we're still on the um, search for more guests to come and more vendors. And we've got some fun things planned for panels and games and starship bridge simulators back starship bridge simulators back um just a whole bunch of stuff cosplay that... contest oh there's the cosplay makeover area that we're uh-huh. going to be having and arlene's so, costumes is helping us with that right yeah so you can order a costume and you can pick it up at the convention center and then have your hair do, do a quick hair go ahead you're going to say it Get your hair did not not coloring, not cutting, that whatever, but a, a hairstyle. Uh-huh. So whether it's uh, simple ponytails to make up with that character, or maybe a quick updo or braids or something that goes along with that particular character, you can have your hair and your makeup done. And there's a place um, where they'll do your nails also in kind of geeky type things. So that's something new that we're doing this year. That has been a dream of ours for a while because I remember back in the in the days when we were first talking about putting FC three together, and we were like, we want to do the experience thing, and we want to like like going to the Renaissance Festival. You can make a costume, and um, and then suddenly it was like we have to figure out a way to be able to help people have cosplay that don't normally have, you know, the resources or the materials to to have cosplay, you know. So it's 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 essentially rent a cosplay. And they're not actually renting their cosplay. They're actually buying it. And that's... Oh, well, maybe, okay. That's cool. I, I think some, some of it is you have it. I, I don't know um, all the details. They're still working out. But I thought that some of it is um, they can buy their own costumes and they can pick them up at the convention. And get, 
and get dressed there. This then. is a great way for folks to start. That's what I'm guessing, but we'll don't definitely quote me on that. We'll um, talk with Anne to get more details in regards to that. But it, yes, I don't think, especially in um, today's um, thing, that you that renting and whatever people might be a little more worried uh-huh. about that. So well, I can appreciate that. That makes sense. So. So yeah, so that's everything going on and hopefully that things start opening up so we could get to our having our game nights back again and doing some other stuff. We just don't know when things are happening. So I'm looking positive towards the future that things are going to be opening up a little bit more for us so we can mm-hmm. do all that kind of fun stuff because we miss our FC3 peoples. We really do. And At least in the I meantime, know I do. In the meantime, I'm still writing the blog every week. Yes, you are, and doing a bang-up job of it, I may say. Keep people keep people engaged with the FC3 uh, brand, and I'm hoping it's working. So far, so good. Yeah, no kidding. So, our question of the week this week. Oh, here it comes. This one I'm going to struggle with because I I would have to actually do some Google researching on this, but um, James was already jumped on it that he had an answer for this one. He goes, I got to do this one, got to do this one. So with his enthusiasm, we are going with this question because it was so awesome to hear. Yep. Um, What low budget movie and or TV show do you wish could get the funding it deserved and why? So my answer for this is Disney's Robin Hood. You go back and you rewatch that movie. There's so much animation they reuse over and over through the course of that movie. And they crib animation from at least three different films. Snow White, Jungle Book, and the Aristocats. They even recycle lines of dialogue from at least twice within that very movie. It was during some of the the lowest budget period for Disney's animated features. It and but it's a well-made interpretation of the Robin Hood story at, at okay. the same time still. And and this is and this came, comes up because they're actually working on a remake of Robin Hood for Are Disney they? Plus. Cool. I did not know no. that. No, I'm on IMDb right now for Robin Hood, and it's from 1973. I'm right. thinking that's the one you're talking about. Their budget was $5 million at that point. That's the cartoon one with the fox and the yes. bear? And, yeah. yeah, yeah. So hmm. That's not uh, bad for a budget. That's or, not definitely not yeah, bad for no. a budget. So are we we're looking at... That it's that they were able to save some of their budget because they were reusing some of that stuff, um, because I'm like, because like if I'm thinking low budget, I mean, there's one Juno or Blair Witch Project that was like twenty thousand dollars was their budget. Yeah, well, Clark's I think the thing about five. Yeah, I think so, the thing about Blair Witch Project is it was meant to look that way, to kind of give you a different feel of the cinematic experience so now for so, comparison though tanya what was the budget for the jungle book um uh, let's see because that was the last movie that walt himself approved um the one the one from 1995 yep no from the no. 60s oh the original okay yeah okay. look for the bare necessities 
1967. Juno does not like me singing, apparently. The budget was four million. Seriously. Seriously. Hmm. And the animation in that is much more effective at in most at most points. Unbelievable. What happened there? Wow. And maybe maybe it's in regards to the style of the um, artists at the point at the time. Hmm. It could just be uh, I don't know. Um, Inflation. Was it Maybe. that bad in, within a span of what was that six years? Oh, that's that's some hardcore uh, armchair quarterbacking going on there. I, I I wouldn't dare touch that one. Oh, shows what I know. Yeah. Well, so, we all learn things together. So then, let me look at since we're going Disney ones. Hmm. Uh, Okay, I'm looking at Snow White. When did that come out? The 30s. Snow White was one of the original ones, wasn't it? That was the first. Was it the Disney first? did, anyway. There was a, oh, there a German... Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, 1937. Made for $14.78. One of the <laughs> beautiful movies ever. Its budget was $1.5 million. And that's pre-World War II dollars. Right. Hmm. Okay. Well, that's still James's answer, and it's... It's a good one. No, it, yeah. it is a good, it is a good yeah, one. Let's talk yeah. about stuff. That means they yeah, spent it, the money poorly. <laughs> what, or it was like, where did they spend the money? Because they... Didn't not, I mean like just looking at the animation? It's definitely the the '70s cartoon type look to it. Mm -hmm. If you if you go back and look at the, the stuff, but did they um where was the money spent in regards to? Maybe it was trying to afford the voice actors. That, that's I I don't know. Um, I can't I imagine see, Peter Usentoff came cheap. Uh, it said to see more on IMDb Pro, and I'm not going to log into that right now because the only thing, like the rest of them, you can see like the box office, what did they make, whatever. This only uh, gives me the estimated budget and everything else. I would have to uh, log into my Pro account in order to see the rest of the the money numbers. numbers for that but that is it interesting it definitely um makes us stop and think so i'm gonna just click on the sword in the stone okay because that one's right here since we're in disney and that was a similar animation style too yeah mm -hmm. and this was uh 1963 so this like was 10 the years, classic style 10 years prior and that was um three million hmm. but um release date was June 21st, 1964. Um, but it's weird because the numbers that they give me for the money, opening weekend US in the United States gives me March 27th, 1983. 
So they're they're they not giving... released it a bunch of times. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There was definitely yeah. a ton of re-releases. I did see that. So it's just really interesting. So I don't know. We could see what was one of the the highest budgets of Disney films, but I'm not going to go search for that right now. So, Chris or Billy, do you have an answer to that that you think for Billy? How about you first? I have a, yeah, I have a couple. Um, one was remade into a higher budget movie. It's a TV show that I grew up watching on Saturday mornings, made into a movie within the last 10 years or so. And I didn't even want to see it. I landed lost. Ah, uh, yes. The Sid and Marty Croft classic. Yes. Which I think would make an excellent, I've, I've always liked dinosaur movies and I suppose with the Jurassic park movies, they've sort of remade it, mm. but not really with the, the family going down the, the whirlpool into the secret land and Chaka and don't know the pylons. And it, I, I really always liked land of the lost. So there's another made up language for you, Chris Pacuni. Yeah. No, and that's fair. Well, there's a Will Ferrell version, which I've never watched. So and never will and never will. <laughs> uh, and also there was a Saturday morning show as a companion piece to the Shazam TV show. Mm-hmm. Uh, but since there's a already bigger budget Shazam movie out, which I enjoyed, I'd like to see uh, the secrets of ISIS. And I don't mean ISIS, the terrorists. I mean, well, yeah. the Egyptian um, goddess, goddess. With, with the amulet who, mm-hmm. uh, and basically I, the Wonder Woman. Exactly. I was her one year for Halloween back in the 1970s. Oh, really? Nice. Cool. Yep. So I'm going to go Secrets of Isis and Land of the Lost. I'd like to Sounds see good. like serious reworkings of. All right. There was a Land of the Lost revival in the 90s as well on television. I oh, I don't remember, remember that, that at all. Yeah. I think it only lasted one season. Most of them did. So that's why. Um, I I think for me the the answer is going to be obvious. If if I, oh yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. If I had the budget, I'd go back and and redo the original twenty six, twenty seven seasons properly, so that they looked like the the past twelve. And then uh, I would, if there was anything left over in the budget, I would have. uh, Michael Grade uh, shipped off to Siberia or something like that. Doctor Who fans know what I'm talking about. <laughs> That's all that matters to me. <laughs> uh, how about you, Tiny? Did you have an answer? I don't remember. Um, I'm, I've been perusing stuff and mm-hmm. looking at it. I want to say probably um, Babylon Five. Ooh, that's a good idea. Um, so the 1990s space opera managed to be completely game changing for about $900,000 an episode, which would be around 1.3 to 1.4 million today for Mm -hmm. each episode. It was reasonably priced from the beginning because the um, director or the producer, uh, J. Michael Straczynski chose Mm -hmm. to set the show on a space station because it would be cheaper than going to new worlds every week. Right. So there was something most of it was just right around there. So looking at that, yeah, because they were able to use the same sets, um, kind of like similar to like Deep Space Nine, that mm-hmm. everything was on there until unless they went to um, a different planet or whatever. But a lot of the stuff happened on the space station. So 
That's an interesting take on it because I'm like, I looked at like the low budget movies and things like that. And I'm like, I haven't seen any of them. I am like looking at things that they would consider low budget. And I was like, oh, it was like Night of the Living Dead part 20 or whatever. Cause it's just sequel after sequel after sequel. It was like, one of them was alien versus hunter. And I'm just like, that's not one I would watch. So I wouldn't necessarily want to give them the funding to make it better. But um, when I did low-budget TV shows that are better than most huge blockbuster ones, the very first one is Doctor Who. Mm-hmm. So um, it was about a budget of 2,000 pounds per episode for your Doctor Who, which is about $50,000 today. Wow. Um, the Daleks were made out of egg boxes and the, that famous plunger. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So that would be that would probably be mine is Babylon Five. So, That's not know. a bad pick either, Bab Five. And I would assume somewhere along the line, somebody's going to suggest, um, you know, Star Trek original series, things like that. Mm-hmm. Bionic Man, the Six Million Dollar Man. That's a good uh, answer. Um. I would see what are some of the other good ones. Space Academy with the Seekers, the the ships that they had. Those were cool. That's another good one. Um, <laughs> Adam West's Batman. <laughs> no, because that's the charm. <laughs> the, the, yeah, the camp is part of the fun. And the bright colors and the, yeah, no, I, I I wouldn't remake that at all. You know, that reminds me, uh, we were talking about Dick Tracy in the last episode, and Mm -hmm. there was almost a Dick Tracy TV series in the same vein as the 66 Batman, but when uh, that got canceled and the Green Hornet didn't last, they just uh, dropped the plans for that. Hmm. Oh my God, I just looked at the clock. Wow. Yeah. We've been out here for a while. Well, remember, we also did... um, two episodes today yeah so which is good yeah. we haven't done that in a while but. all right so let's go ahead and wrap this up so for for tanya and for for james and for billy and for me this is the time where we're going to have dan lace in the the, the end credit music right about now yeah there you go and uh this has been monkey business a product of the Mighty Monkey Corporation, purveyors and producers of the Flower City Comic Con, coming at you September 19th and 20th of 2020 at the Total Sports Experience in Gates. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, follow us on Twitter, follow us wherever we go, and we will lead you to where the entertainment is. Again, as always, you guys stay safe. Have a great week. We will see you again soon. Take care. Bye. Bye. <laughs>